there's a doubt in your head as to whether or not it's real. And I don't know why that is. It's kind of like a funny thing because again, you could have so much evidence in the world that it's like real and it's true and whatever, but until you do it, it's not real. But then once you do it, then your mindset changes to, wow, like it not only is real, but how much of this can I do? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where Kyle Curtin takes you on an extraordinary journey alongside renowned multifamily real estate sponsors and syndication experts from every corner of the United States. We teach you how to harness the power of passive real estate investing and witness the transformation of your wealth building strategy. Let's create wealth together. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 128 of the Creating Wealth podcast. I am your host, Kyle Curtin. I am a co-GP specializing in investor relations and capital raising for multifamily sponsors. Today, we get the great pleasure of chatting with Tom Caffarella, killer real estate investor and syndicator and the founder of Cameron Real Estate. He helps real estate agents get off the active real estate roller coaster by investing in real estate. What's going on, Tom? Super psyched to have you on here today, man. This one's, yeah, this uh... is like a this is a dream come true for me, to be honest with you. <laughs> likewise, man. Likewise. <laughs> and guys, we were, we were just talking about it a minute before we started. Of like, the internet's literally going to explode. Like, a lot of people have been waiting for this for a while because of our our banter back and forth for months and months. So it's going to be hilarious. Hey, uh, more like a year, Kyle. Oh, uh, yeah. Almost, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably the one year anniversary of when I tried to get on the podcast the first time. <laughs> hey, good things take time, right? Something like that. Yep. No, I've been patient. I've been patient. <laughs> but anyway, let's jump in, man. So tell us um, tell us kind of your backstory, Tom. Like, where'd you grow up? Like, I know like many people are, are pretty familiar with that story, especially around our neck of the woods. But to kind of, you know, jump into that how you got into real estate up to the types of projects that you're working on now. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my starting point is really kind of the starting point for most people, right? Like most people who have a burning desire from success typically come from, you know, environments where they didn't have a lot of success. And I, you know, I talk about this a lot. Like my parents are the best parents in the world. They did everything for me. But, you know, the only thing that my parents ever thought about was money and, you know, not having money, I should say. And there were things that, you know, we couldn't do, um, you know, growing up, you know, we never. Now, this is going to sound, you know, I, I, I don't like the way I'm going to phrase this, but like we didn't do things that other people did. Like everybody went to Disney World. Everybody went to, you know, all, all my friends played hockey. We couldn't afford to play hockey. Like, and I don't want to make it sound like. I had a bad life, um, but, you know, there were times where, you know, my parents were behind on their mortgage, close to foreclosure, like, and, you know, it was that stressor for me at a very young age. I mean, I'm talking eight, nine, 10 years old, where I really was seeking to understand, like, why this is happening, you know, like, why is this happening? How can it be fixed? And the answer that I got from my parents and really anybody I asked as I started to get even a little bit older was do good in school, get a good job. Like the reason that, you know, your dad isn't having as much financial success or your mom is, is because of that. And so that's what you need to do in order, you know, to, to, to not have this happen. So it was like a pain thing for me that I wanted to eliminate in my life. Um, and so I did really well in school, you know, like I'm, I'm, you know, reasonably smart, but that wasn't why I really did very well in school. I mean, I was obsessed with doing well in school. You know, I, I studied all the time, you know, just did very, very well and thought that was the path. So uh, getting into college, I'm pre-med in college, which, you know, I have to give kudos to anybody who makes it to become a doctor because the amount of hours, time, difficulty is extreme. Um, you know, you're giving up a lot, you know, when I was in college, like I never went out, like, you know, my friends wanted me to go out. They wanted me to have fun. 
And I said I couldn't. And and I remember, you know, summer months where my friends were all, you know, at the club or doing this or doing that. And I just was sitting home by myself. And it was tough, honestly. Um, it was tough from when I was much younger to kind of give up some of that stuff. But as I'm kind of going along and, you know, disciplining myself, because I think this is going to get me what I want, right? Because at the end of the day, like anybody who's listening to this wants some outcome. Like they might be happy with their life, meaning like they're not upset, but they want more. And and me doing well in school was my way of saying, like, I want more. This is how I'm going to achieve it. And um, that was my path. And then one day, you know, I while I was um, a pizza delivery boy driving for Nana's Pizza in Revere, which is where I grew up, I put in the audio book. It was a cassette in my, you know, 2001 white Kia Sophia driving around delivering pizzas. I put Rich Dad, Poor Dad into my cassette, you know, um, whatever you want to call it in your car. And no exaggeration, by the time I was done with that audio book, I was like, I don't want to be pre-medding you more. I want to own a business and I want to be in real estate. And there were many reasons for that. But I, nobody had ever explained, I guess, to me that there was an alternate path besides being a highly paid employee. And when I heard about the alternate path, it really resonated with me. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's nice to have money. Everybody wants money, um, makes your life easier. But nobody wants to be a slave for the money. Like being a high paid slave is is not fun, right? Like, you know, working 80, 90 hours a week, getting a guaranteed paycheck and not really having a lot of hours to enjoy it. Like that's re- not really what people want. People want both, right? They want as much freedom as they can get and, you know, enough money to live that life. So after I listened to that audiobook, I didn't immediately quit pre-med, although I wanted to. Um, and the, the reason I didn't immediately quit is just because I had put in so much work. I mean, you know, summer after summer, my friends going out, me studying, me doing everything I need to do, me um, getting prepared to take my MCAT, which is the entrance exam into into medical school, me taking the MCAT, like doing well on it, you know, all that stuff. So it, it took me probably a good three to four months because once I once I listened to that book, I got the bug. Now I'm going to every um, real estate networking event. And by the way, there weren't a lot back then. There was Mike Hurley in, in Peabody. He still does it. Um, he does it in um, a hotel in Peabody once a month. There was a couple people, and I was going to as many of those things as I can, could. I signed up for a Rich Dad coaching package, which the $3,500 it cost me at the time you know, would be the equivalent for me now of like, you know, $10 million. Like I, I gave everything I could to get into that coaching program. And, you know, whether it was two, three, four, five, six months later, I made the commitment. And what I ended up doing, I I was about to graduate and apply for medical school. I did one more year and I I double majored and um, did a business degree. And, and that was kind of my way of, of saying, okay, yeah, it's exciting to think about, you know, becoming financially free, but, you know, maybe start with getting a degree and, and learning. And I did that, you know, and I, and I finished in five years instead of four. Um, and it was hard because I had to do a ton of coursework just to double major. I did take a lot of extra classes and, you know, I, I did classes over the summer. I did classes in winter break. I, I, I did a lot. And long story short is I was still not confident enough to get into this industry yet. Like I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I talked about being in real estate, told everybody I was going to be a real estate investor, but I didn't know where to start. Even though I, I was in the rich dad coaching program, like I didn't feel confident. I mean, I was only 21 at the time or 22 at the time. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have a mentor, like a real mentor that I could talk to. I didn't have anybody local I could talk to. The world wasn't connected the way it is today. Like Kyle, I will tell you, like you're very lucky being your age 
being able to just go on social media and talk to a bunch of people that are in your own market doing what, you know, you're doing. I didn't have that luxury. Like, you know, in 2002, 2003, 2004, like the internet was just getting started. And the way that people were connected back then was much different. So it, it was much more closed off um, than it is today. And people shared a lot less than they do today. And so I ended up taking a job and becoming a CPA for a big accounting firm. And I don't know if it was a smart move or not. I mean, I only did it for a couple of years, but my thinking there was while I'm working a full-time job, you know, figure out how I'm going to get into the real estate business. <clears throat> so this is maybe 2004, 2005. I get my real estate license um, and I start working with clients part-time. And I didn't, my, my passion wasn't really to be a real estate agent, but you know, I, I found out quickly that, you know, you can make good money as an agent. And I remember getting my first ever real estate check, $7,750 working with a friend, a buyer client and being like, wow, like I'm rich, you know, because I'd never had more than a couple thousand dollars in my bank account. And now you know, now my bank account's over $10,000 and I'm feeling really, really good. So I kind of got the sales bug a little bit where I was pushing to do more and more sales and building a traditional retail business while being employed for somebody else. And I had some success doing it um, and I wanted to do it full time, but my income was never consistent. And that's the biggest thing that I teach. Like I got my agent investor hat on and, you know, most agents go through what they call their real estate roller coaster, where they get those checks for seventy-seven fifty. The checks are a little bit bigger today; they're probably more like ten or fifteen thousand. But you get those big checks, you're feeling good, and then the next month you have nothing, and it's just a cycle of up and down and up and down. And all this time, right? Like from the the day I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, which was two thousand three. I, I still hadn't done an investing deal. You know, now it's 05, 06, 07. By the way, I'm still going to every conference. I'm still reading every real estate investing book. You know, I'm still listening to every podcast I can. I mean, I probably spent 10, 15 hours a week just like on education, you know, and, and, and it was, I was obsessed, right? Like I would wake up, I, anything I did, whether I was at the gym, cleaning my house, you know, driving in my car, like I was getting educated, listening to as many audiobooks as I can. But I still wasn't doing anything. Like all of that stuff was awesome. And I learned a lot. And I felt like I was getting more confident, but I still never did anything. Um, and it wasn't until 2009 when I got a, a local mentor that my life actually changed. So I got a local mentor. Um, I'm located, you know, north of Boston. They were in um, Braintree, south of Boston, but close enough that they're in my own backyard. And they they really taught me, you know, how to do things. And I tell this story all the time. I'm sure some of the people who are listening have heard it, but the people who haven't, you know, it's pretty relevant. You know, I was an agent, and I and I got a listing appointment for a two family in Somerville. Went on the listing appointment. The seller didn't want to list it traditionally, told me they just wanted somebody to buy it. They were a hoarder, didn't want anybody in the house. And long story short, like I knew it was a deal. It was right in front of me. Um, when I called my mentor, I told them about it. And they were like, well, why don't you buy it? And it's like, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, you know what wholesaling is. Like, why don't you do it? And it it was at that moment where it was like, wow, like how many times have I had the opportunity to do something that I never have because I didn't have somebody to push me like that. Because when, when you're by yourself and a lot of real estate investors and agents are kind of like working by themselves, um, it's easy to make an excuse to yourself because there's nobody there to say you're screwing up and you need to like move forward. And what the, the mentor said to me, he said, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. So I did it. And we made $115,000 on that deal. And that deal, that deal changed my life because it made me realize that investing was real. 
And it's kind of a crazy concept. Um, but I know that this is true for most people who haven't invested yet, where you can read a book, you can maybe see somebody else do it, you can talk about doing it, you can go to meetings. Until you do it, there's a doubt in your head as to whether or not it's real. And I don't know why that is. It's kind of like a funny thing because, again, you could have so much evidence in the world that it's like real and it's true and whatever. But until you do it, it's not real. But then once you do it, then it, the, your mindset changes to, wow, like it not only is real, but how much of this can I do? Because you start to get some benefit. And, and once you get that benefit, it's like, you know, riding your bike, you take the training wheels off and then you don't go back to putting the training wheels on. Like you just don't do it. It, it never happens. I've never seen anybody, you know, flip a few homes or buy a few rental properties. And then they're like, oh my goodness, I can't do this. Um, because you get so much benefit from doing it. So that was 2009. And, you know, that really, I mean, my journey started, in my opinion, in 2003. Like I started becoming an entrepreneur, in my opinion, in 2003. Whether I did anything or not, to me, wasn't really relevant. Um, that was when my mindset shifting, I was working towards it. Um, and then from 2009 until, you know, now it's 14 years later, you know, I went from now I had that belief that I could do it. And it was just kind of a matter of how to do it. So getting back to kind of like what we all want. I mean, everybody wants the same thing. Like I, I, I coached probably a thousand people in my, you know, 20 year career. Um, and everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to earn passive income on a monthly basis that's high enough to live the life that they want. And for everybody, that number could be a little bit different. You know, I know people who $4,000 is enough. I know people who need 40,000. Um, whatever that number is, there's this number that people have in their head and they want the assets to throw off money to appreciate in value, to provide them with tax benefits, to give them guaranteed monthly income, to be able to live the life that they want. That's what got our attention when we read the book, showed up to the event, heard somebody talking, like that's what piqued our interest. Because at the end of the day, like humans don't wanna work. Very simple, like nobody wants to work. There's no human that wants to work. Um, you know, we want pleasure, we wanna avoid pain. Um, and we want to have fun and we, we want to do what we're passionate about doing and real estate investing allows people to do that. So, so once I knew that I could make money as a real estate investor, it became, well, how do I get to that end thing? You know, how do I actually get from point A to point B? And the answer was to own a bunch of assets, but you know, it's not as simple as that because in an ideal world, I would already have millions of dollars in the bank. I could use that as down payment on the assets that I wanted. And then I could just already have the passive income. But the path to get there isn't that simple because almost nobody who's listening to this is at that point. So you have to figure out a way to go from having very little money to accumulating assets without a bunch of money. And that's kind of what I teach. There are multiple ways to kind of do that. But you know what, I did two things and, and these are the, the most common ways that people do it. The first is that they flip a few homes and then make some money and use that as down payment money. So typically it's like wholesaler flip one or two or three properties, then take that cash, putting into an asset. Now the asset's gonna throw off so much money. Like in our example that we typically use, for every unit that we own, we make $500 per month. So do you, you can do the math and figure it out, like how many units do you need to own to get to the point where you're, you have the income that you need. So even though like our company flips 120, 130, 140 houses a year, I never intended on flipping houses. Um, Frankly, I'm not that interested in flipping houses. People are always astonished when they talk to me how much we flip. I don't go to my flips. Like I'm not, I don't care about the design. Like I'm not super interested in it. 
I'm only interested in it and what it can do to grow the passive income. Um, so that's one way that we accumulated assets. And the other way, like you're saying in the beginning, is syndication, where we bring and put you know money together. Uh, we pull money, we raise money, and we we put that money into deals, and we get a percentage ownership of the deals you know that we're doing. So, so really, there's there's really only two ways that this can kind of get done. Because if everybody wants that five, ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty thousand dollars a month of passive income, then you need the assets. And to get the assets, you either need to make big chunks of income that you can use as down payments, or if you're like a super high income earner, save a bunch of money and use that, or you need to learn how to raise capital. And there's not really one way to like there's there's not one that's better than the other per se. But you kind of have to pick one of those two lanes, and that's what we're focused on. So we fix and flip a bunch of houses per year, over a hundred every single year. We take, we live off of what we we can live off of. We have our brokerage, which is close to four hundred agents at this point, and we use that, you know, money uh, to invest back into to buildings and stuff like that. And then I spend most of my time talking to people about why it might make sense for them or at least explain to them the benefits of investing, you know, in our apartment deals that we do. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. There was a, a lot to unpack in there, Tom. And there's a, there was, we ended couple... now. I mean, I pretty much just did everything, right? <laughs> Mike job, I, right? <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even know if, I didn't even know if you were still on. I'm like, Oh, am I still talking to myself or what? <laughs> I just have a screenshot of like this setup. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's fun. You know, what's funny. Kyle is like, I've been on so many like podcasts and I've hosted, I have a podcast. I've been on a lot of podcasts and like, it's not uncommon for me to be on somebody's podcast and they ask me a question and be, before they even listen to the answer, they're talking about something that they're pitching and it's just like insane. Exactly. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you gave me that time. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Absolutely. It's, it's your show. You know what I mean? I, I love to, yeah. you know, but yeah, man. So like a couple things in there. So uh, and this ties directly into pretty much like your entire story and, and the different, um, you know, segments of, of growth. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a book that I just finished called 10 X is easier than two X or finished reading yep. rather. It's by mm -hmm. Dan Sullivan. And without spoiling the book, he talks about going 10 X in your business and that mm -hmm. not being a quantitative change, but instead mm -hmm. being a qualitative change. So to your point of like going from that mentality of you know not having the the proof of concept i guess of you if you will um you know from consuming all the time and having lots of different conversations and that type of thing to actually getting the proof of concept of like getting that first deal done that's mm -hmm. like a, a 10x change it's like oh all right like you know now the proof of concept is there the ceiling is set higher the floor is lower like like it's it's the next thing like all right you know how, now how do i do a couple of these a year or or what have mm -hmm. you you know yeah um and that's like all I could think about, like the whole time when you're talking, man, is like, like, there's just like, there was so many like 10 X parts of your journey from, you know, 2001, 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's extremely cool to, to see that, you know what I mean? And it's, um, it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when I summarize it in a 10 minute snippet, you know, it probably seems like it was simple or easy. Um, and it wasn't, and, and those 10 X things, it was, I mean, maybe it didn't sound easy cause it took me six years to do my first deal. And, and, you know, like I, I could name all different points kind of along that way where, you know, you, you struggle, you, you're fighting the whole time. I mean, that's what this, this journey is all about. Like you have to be a fighter because you're gonna, you're gonna get knocked down a whole bunch at all points along the way. And you could give me a year, like, I don't care what year you throw out from 2003 to 2023. And I could tell you, if you just say a year, I could tell you the struggles that we had that year. I could tell you the doubts that we had certain years. Um, but, you know, it's just pushing, pushing through it. But, but yeah, like, I mean, in terms of like the quantum leap and the proof of concept, I think that's the most important thing that like I try to manufacture if I'm like working with somebody is like some sort of small win. Um, yeah. you know, like it's why we started one of the reasons, I mean, everything I do, let's be clear about this. Like 
it's selfish in nature, but it's a win-win. Meaning that like everything I promote helps me, but it also helps somebody else. So like one of the reasons though we created the the agent partnership program that we have and a wholesaling partnership program that we have um, is because it gives somebody a small win <clears throat> without having them to like go kind of like all the way. It's like a training wheel concept where if somebody bumps into a seller who wants to sell their house to an investor, they don't need the money. They don't need to do the construction. They can bring it to us and then split the profits with us 50-50. And, and I know this to be true. And I say this to all the people who partner with me. I go, might be your last one that you do with us because you know once you once you see what what can happen um you might want to do the second one yourself or maybe you do two with us but it's it's probably not something where somebody's going to do 10 or 15 with us but if they didn't do that one with us and get that small win they may have never done one um so i think you need those like those wins along the way and, and most importantly like the proof of concept and i was talking to somebody yesterday and a lot of people will say to me hey do you think this is like a good I idea like they'll think about something that they can kind of do in their business and i look at it like you know when you're running a business you're kind of like einstein like inventing you know the incandescent light bulb right like you want a certain outcome and a lot of times you have to try stuff to see if it works and yes, there are tried and true things that we know are going to work, but there's also like little things that we tweak in our business all the time or try um, to figure out whether something works. And and a lot of people spend too much time overanalyzing whether or not something will work rather than like test piloting it in a small way and then figuring out if the proof of concept actually will work. And if it does, now you do more of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. And like, I feel like that's, that's a huge thing is like just spending like the smallest amount of time in that. Um, I, I can't even like think of the word, like, I, I guess kind of that period of indecision, you know, yeah. and trying to figure out like, cause like, that's the beauty of it, right? Is like pretty much every, you know, type of strategy, whether you're flipping or syndications, Airbnb, like whatever the hell, like everything works at the end of the day, right? Like, so it's, that's something that, you know, I've kind of had recently, especially like the, um, the self-awareness of like, all right, like I can feel myself in, in, in decision. Like, I just, I need to pick something and fucking go, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. like, let's just go, like, let's just move forward. Like you're going to get knocked around along the way and you just pivot, you know, like as long as you're doing something, as long as you're taking some sort of action forward, like, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. You know what I mean? And it's, it's part of the game. Well, the thing that's tough about that, and this is true, like, even if you're just, you know, an employee, like, yeah. you can't, at the age of 15, you can't figure out what type of job you want. You yeah. know, you know, like, so, like, it goes, like, all along the way. And it is frustrating, like, as humans, we don't like to, like, course correct and change, because change is hard, and you feel like you kind of wasted your time. And, you know, within my story, like, I'm not gonna lie, you know, I'm 41 now. I look back at some of the stuff I did in college, pre-mad and stuff, and I go, what if I did real estate back then? What if I, and I'd be way further ahead, but it, it literally doesn't work that way because you don't really know, like with, even with all of those asset classes you talked about, you know, syndication or short-term rentals or flipping, like you don't know which one you're going to be passionate about or good at until you start doing it. So you could get all the advice in the world from a million different people. And if you talk to me, of course, what I'm going to tell you about is what I like the most and what I'm passionate about, but you could do, you could do it and then you could hate it, but you don't know until you actually start to do it on a day-to-day -day basis. But the quicker that you can like test something, learn from it. And then if you like it or love it, or you're getting good results, do more of it. Or as soon as you know that that's not the right path, course correct, like the faster you're going to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, you know, and it's, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so take us kind of through, how did you guys start to, I guess, kind of have that idea to start looking at like the bigger projects and, mm -hmm. and the syndication side and that type of thing? And how did that idea kind of get planted? 
Okay, so when I first read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I mean, I keep going back to this book because it really did change my life. And I'm sure, like, you know, there might be other books that changed other people's lives similarly. And I'm not saying Rich Dad Poor Dad is the end all be all. But, like, his series basically teaches you cash flow quadrating all his other books. It says, you know, buy assets, hire a property manager to manage them, collect a monthly paycheck, and that's passive income lifestyle. So, without asking many more questions, we just went out and started, you know, doing the flips, having big chunks of income, and buying small multifamily in and around the greater Boston area. And so, in order to, this is our market specific, different markets are different, but in our market, you kind of need to be in like some of the tougher areas in order to cash flow. And so, you know, I'm thinking in my head, well, who cares? Like you're not the one managing it or whatever. And so we start accumulating these assets and I could name the towns, but like, I don't think I even <laughs> need to because I think people yeah. will, will get it. I'll name one Revere, right? I grew up there yeah. and not that Revere is that tough at all, really, but it's just like, you're buying these hundred year old buildings that need a bunch of work. Even if you renovate them, they're still not great to live in. And they're in towns where maybe aren't top desirable. And so who lives in those buildings, right? It's not going to be your top tier tenant that lives in those buildings most of the time. So as we're accumulating, we're feeling like we're hitting our goals. Like we had a goal to get to 300 units. We got pretty close. And, um, we realized that like nothing was passive about owning those buildings at all. And that was okay. I mean, it wasn't a net, it wasn't a huge negative, but you know, what ended up kind of like hitting us is like, once we had kids, you know, I remember my partner, he walked into my office, this was probably in 2018. And he said, you know, like these buildings, they're very hard to manage, like almost impossible to manage because you're always evicting somebody. There's, you know, the police are there like once a week, you know, just all the things you kind of read about when you hear about nightmare stories about managing properties. And he said, you know, do we really want to pass these on to our kids? That was the first time I ever thought about that. Um, and, and I really thought about it and I'm like, I mean, I do from the perspective of like income and assets and stuff, but I don't in terms of the management because it wasn't passive. Like you can get a property manager, but if the police are getting called, like you're still involved in that. Um, and if you're, if you're evicting, you're still involved in that. And if you're evicting, you're not getting paid. So your wallet's involved in that. So, um, you know, what I, the only critique I really have of the Kiyosaki books in general is that he doesn't really talk a lot about the differences in asset classes when it comes to how passive the income can be. Um, what I know now, and this is a fact, not an opinion, is that there are no asset classes that are 100% passive. Even if you invest in somebody else's syndication, you're still doing your due diligence, you're still spending time. So there's nothing that is absolutely zero hours. But when we look at passivity, which is really the goal for almost everybody, is we look at, well, how passive, you know, of an asset is it? And you could like, I could make a chart and say, this is the most passive, this is the least passive. And we 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 looked and we really thought like, okay, what can we be in that's pretty passive? Like we're not looking to, I mean, I don't have any other hobbies. Like my hobby is, um, you know, going online, making fun of people, and i know tom you know, yeah right so so it's not like like i don't have the personality where like if you told me hey you could be on the beach right now laying around like i would be on the beach literally doing the same things i'm doing at home because that's why i enjoy doing yeah. and, and i'm not i'm not saying that um to try to sound like brag i mean i don't think it's anything to brag about it's just that i i enjoy kind of a little bit of the grind it's interesting to me that like the day-to-day activity of building a business, I think is, I think it's fun if you do it the right way. But, um, but in terms of like the passivity, we looked at it and said, okay, what type of asset class is pretty passive that we have the ability to do. And it's going to give us the income that we want. And we looked at it and we said, you know, we've done a bunch of like smaller 
new construction type of projects. We've done, you know, three family, four family, you know, ground up in, in Boston as condos. We've done six unit projects as condos. Like we've, we have the ability to do the construction um, of bigger units and we have the ability to raise money because we've always raised money for our business. And we have the ability to do projects in areas that are a little bit like nicer. So why wouldn't we start to build or do heavy construction to do apartments? Because it ultimately it's a much better way of investing than owning these small multifamilies. And and the reason why is the mainly the passivity. And if you think about it logically, like the last building that we just completed is a 19 unit in Wakefield, Mass. And Wakefield is probably a little bit kind of like an upper class town, not like top, but but more than more than middle class. And so who's going to live there? Like you think, okay, um, maybe upper middle class town, new construction units, nice units. Um, so who's going to live there? Well, it's going to be a tenant that actually cares about their credit. It's going to be a tenant that has that wants to buy in the future, right? So that's a different person than the people that we were renting to with the other asset classes. Not that those people are bad people, but the difference is, is that when a light bulb goes out for somebody that's living in the Wakefield building, they say, hey, it's my responsibility and I don't even want to waste my time calling my landlord to fix this. Whereas like in some of those other buildings, some of the people, you know, whether they're capable or not of doing it, or they just have a different mindset, they might call you. So we looked at these apartment buildings that we're doing, and we, we're focused more on 50 to 150 unit buildings now. Um, it's just much more passive, much more controllable. You know, when there's a snowstorm, instead of plowing 103 families, we can plow six 50 units. So the other part to all of this stuff that I think everybody needs to keep in mind is like you make progressions in your life um, and, and you're really going, if you're doing this the right way and you're working your butt off, I always say this to my partner because sometimes he'll say to me like, oh, last year was better than this year for whatever reason. And I'll go, you can't look at things in one year increments. You have to look at things in three to four year increments. And if you're going backwards in the three to four year increment, I agree. But my point of it is, is that typically speaking, what I see with most good entrepreneurs is like every three to four years, they're making another leap into something that's improving their life. So for me, the first leap that I took going back to 2005 was like not having to work a full-time job. Honestly, that was my best leap I ever made. Like if I look and say, what's the quality of my life improvement with every leap? The best one was just being able to work for myself. Um, but then, you know, then you take another leap, you take another leap. And so the, the latest leap for us was going and selling all of our small multifamily and trading up into apartments. But there are other leaps that people can go from there. Like I talk to people that are 10, 15 years older than me and they go, yeah, I just bought a CVS. <clears throat> well, why would they want a CVS? It's like very low cap rate you know, not great cash flow. Well, they want almost complete passivity, right? So if you own a building that a CVS is in, I mean, you're not getting called. You're not. And CVS is making sure that that place looks really good every single day. So you have an ideal tenant. Like I, I, I know somebody recently that bought a Starbucks. I mean, think about that tenant, yeah. you know, like... That tenant's not calling you. Like they're not even looking at it like, hey, you're my landlord per se. Like they're looking at it like, you know, people are coming in to the store early in the morning that are employees. It better look good because they have people coming in that day. So there's always like more steps that you can kind of climb. And I think you always, you can't look, I think this is a mistake people make sometimes. I've made it myself. And sometimes they look at people who are ahead of them and then it becomes discouraging a little bit or they want what that person has. It's like multiple steps up and it just doesn't work that way. Like it takes two, three, four years to get to that next rung. And at some point, by the way, like 
you could be happy at that rung. And it doesn't mean that you have to go like another notch up. Like for some people, like I have friends that, that we started with, um, that were flipping homes in the very beginning when we started flipping homes. I have friends that do like three or four flips a year. That's it. And they love it. And I'm extremely happy for them. They are happy with their life. They do very well. They, they're living their life by design. But I guess my point is though, is that like, as they kind of were happy being on that rung, we wanted to keep growing. I'm not saying that people should want to grow like that. It's, it's probably easier being happier at a lower rung, but we've always had like a little bit of a growth mindset being competitive and, you know, athletes and stuff like that. I guess you could say athlete mindset, um, you know, like going to the gym, Kyle, you know, pressing that, <laughs> pressing that weight, you know, a lot about that. I know. Um, but just getting, get, but just like focusing on, not, not focusing on the person that's 10 rungs above you, but like maybe focusing on the one rung above you and just trying to get there and knowing that it takes, you know, one, two, three years. I mean, every rung is a little bit different. Maybe you can do one of the rungs in one year. Maybe the other one takes you four or five years, but, but that's where we're at with the apartments. And, you know, we, we're, we're trying to get to a thousand units under management by the 1231, 2029. Um, we've got, I think it's 450 units at all different phases. Like some of them we're managing already. Some of them like are under contract. Some of them we're currently building. Um, but we want to get to that thousand units by 2029. And once we get to that point, um, and I'll be what? six years older i'll be 47 that'll really be the point uh for us where if we really want to just start slowing down we could and we're gonna have to really think about like what we want to do kind of at that point with the continued growth of our business and all that good stuff yeah no i i love that man and i mean at the end of the day the happiness is the roi right so i, I really like the way that you um, you know, kind of put that together of like some people, you know, maybe are like just hit a certain point, you know, beyond ecstatic, you know, waking up every yep. day, like everything's fantastic. And other people, you know, continue to to have that growth mindset as well. And like just still to continue the the climb, you know, and, and to just keep keep building and that type of thing. And I think that's something that's really important, man. I mean, especially with the, you know, kind of that like stereotype i guess of like oh well you know like we hit a million like now we gotta hit five million like like let's go let's go let's go and it's um i don't know if you've read out uh, the gap in the game by any chance no. that's okay but essentially it it talks about the two um mindsets of like you can either you know basically revolve your life around being in the gap which is like the difference between you and like the next goal and the next goal mm. and the next goal and more or less, you know, falling into that mindset of like, oh, well, like, why don't I have it yet? I, like, I should be farther along. I should have twice as many units. Like, yeah, kind of going down that negative down, down spiral. Or you can be in the gap and being like, oh, all right. Like, you know, we picked up, you know, a couple hundred units, you know, in the past few years. Like, hell yeah. Like, this is friggin' awesome. And like, essentially balancing in between those two dynamics. And it's like, that's something I've definitely struggled with in the past of like, oh, well, like, dude, like, you know, you bought that building two years ago like you should be like way farther along like what the hell and it's all like just this internal dialogue you know what i mean of like just finding the balance of like all right like slow the hell down like you know one thing at a time one step at a time one rung at a time you know and like things well, take I, time and i think it's important to have a really good roadmap yeah uh, of, of where you want to go and like milestones along the way like we follow the the methodology, if you haven't read the book Traction, like I would read it like five times. But basically what, what was that? Oh, nice. <laughs> but what it does, and, and so we focus, what do we focus on? We focus on money and units and the actual outcome, which yes, that is the number one thing. But like you have to focus more unfortunately or fortunately on the little milestones along the way that are going to help you get there. Yep. So, you know, the comment that you have, like, you know, you bought something, you should have something else right now. Like if I looked at your plan, 
there is a possibility that I would say, no, you shouldn't have anything right now, but you should have done these other five things. Did you do those five things? Because those five things are going to get you to the next level. And you might say, no, I was so focused on, you know, getting the unit that I didn't do these other five things that are going to allow me to grow. Um, The other part about it in general, and this is, as I'm getting a little bit older now, like I'm not too old, but I'm, I'm in the middle now. Um, you know, like it's definitely not a linear thing. And I know that I struggled with this when I was younger because our mind works in kind of a linear fashion, meaning like, okay, I need to get, you know, three, three units per year. Let's just say I need to get, let's just say in 10 years, I need to get 30 units and you go, okay. Let's do the math. 30 divided by 10. I need three units per year. And then you get three units the first year and then none the next year and you go, oh, I'm off track. But it doesn't actually work like that. It's not, it's not linear for, for many, many reasons. And I could like I could probably do an hour presentation on that. But I'll just give you a really simple example, Kyle. Like with with capital raising for the deals that we do, right? Um, when I first started. Like even to get somebody to invest $50,000 with me, I'd have to meet with 10, 15 people. And most of them would tell me no, or most of them thought I was too young or didn't have enough experience, right? So if I needed to raise a million dollars a year over 10 years, in the beginning, I would have said, I'm off track, I'm off track, this isn't working, whatever. But as time has gone on, and I'm just giving you one example of like how this works, but like as time went on, now people see, oh, the credibility, all the results you're getting. And now all of a sudden, like that person who you had to take 10 phone calls to get 50,000 becomes, you know, three phone calls to get 500,000. Why? Because you have credibility and your, your business has changed. So it's not a linear thing. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that as like an excuse to say like, I'm behind on my goals. But your goals almost need to be set up and the milestones a little bit more like exponentially based than just like everything is going to be the same like every single year. Yeah. It, it makes a whole lot of sense, man, especially within that type of arena as well, you know, that you gave the example and, you know, of like just how how dynamic things can be and, and you know, the value of those relationships and exactly the, you know, track record and, and that type of thing. Um, yeah. And it I, makes a whole I, lot of sense. And I could keep going on, like I could give you like a million different examples of like all different other areas where, again, it's just like, you know, not a linear thing. You know, it's yeah. just, um, it takes time. And, and even like one more just simple one, right? Like, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of us, as we start to build and own assets, like we use those assets as, as leverage to get money to buy other assets, right? Well, you know, your first asset that you buy, like two years later, you probably don't have enough equity to, to pull money on that. But maybe five years you do. And then you buy a second property. And now you have two properties that you can draw down on. So it's kind of just like literally how the math works. It's, it's actually not even like a, a human thing or like a, you know, anything to do with that. It's just literally like, how does math work on these things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Love it, Tom. But uh, yeah, man, I do have one question for you that I do like to ask everybody. And we talked about it a decent amount during the, the interview today. But what does wealth mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, the answer to that question, if, if somebody doesn't like know the answer to that question, that's probably the first starting point that they need to like to start at because I can tell you that my definition has changed as time has gone on. And I think a lot of people, people's answer to that is not what they actually want. Um, so I, I can tell you what, what wealth means to me for sure. Um, wealth means to me that I can spend my time how I want mostly meaning like, you know, like, as, you know, your life changes as, as time goes on. And like, I have four kids now. 
and and so it, it's not uncommon for my kids every day my kids have like stuff and yeah. and the stuff the stuff is never like at six o'clock at night or seven o'clock at night um you know most of the time like nowadays like i'm leaving work at like three o'clock because i've got to get to something that they're that they're having um and i and i need to have my weekends completely open for for stuff that they have so to me it, it's about being in a position where you have freedom and i guess the more wealthy you are you know maybe you get to a point where you have complete freedom but i but i think for most people it's probably not about having like all of your hours free it's about having hours free when you need them to be free not to just spend all day partying or not to just spend all all day on a beach but to be able to do the meaningful things in your life and not have any of that taken away and i do see you know in terms of like to me what wealth means i do see a lot of people now that i have kids that don't have that and it it's tough like i i i know like in general that like you know, the parents want to be at these things and they have to like pick and choose. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a billionaire, but I am, you know, at a point in my life where I can say like, I really don't have to miss anything. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm missing something, you know, for my kids, um, it's because both of my kids have something like all of my, you know, multiple kids have something. Um, and the, the last thing I'm going to add to that is is and i know this is probably a way long answer but but i also think it's important to be able to take care of the people that you need to take care of and i mentioned you know my parents you know earlier in terms of like maybe they were the start of me indirectly the start of me like wanting to be wealthy but my parents did everything for me and and my parents like literally like i mean my dad would lose his job because i would want to go to the park one day and he would just be like oh bang out to work so for me the ability to be able to pay back the people in your life and help the people in your life that need it and everybody has people in their life whether it's you know direct family members or friends or charity or something like that 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 you wish that that you could help and one of the the most frustrating things about like sometimes what people say about money is, you know, they'll, they'll say rich people are greedy or something along those lines. And the reality is, is like when, when you don't have any money and when you're broke, you're always reliant on other people to help you. Whereas I'm not saying every person that's wealthy helps, but I would say if you kind of look at most, like really wealthy people and some of the richest people in the world, a lot of them do really good things because you get to a point in your life where like, there's only so many nice things that you can have. Like there really are. And and honestly, whatever most people have in their head as to what the amount that they need is, it's way less because when you start to get some nice things, like literally I'm in a nice car right now, but right in front of me is my, is my white Honda Odyssey minivan. I'm in that more than anything else. And it's kind of funny, Kyle. I actually sometimes kind of enjoy driving that car more um, for a lot of different reasons. And you don't really like you think that you think you want some of the material stuff until you get it and you go, oh, it wasn't the material stuff I wanted. I just wanted like more more freedom or I wanted the ability to have the material stuff. So the the ability. So to answer your question succinctly the ability to do what you want when you want and to be able to help other people in your life that need it and to wrap on my parents story like my parents moved and it's kind of a long story but like our company bought their house for them renovated their house for them and then moved them in and they wouldn't have now my parents have no mortgage like they have more money coming in from my dad's pension and social security and stuff than than they need. And they've never been in that position in their life. And my dad said something to me about a month ago. It's kind of a crazy comment. And he was like, this is the first time in my life. Like I haven't been having nightmares. And I'm like, wow. Like, 
because like he he lived his whole life under financial stress yeah and now this is the first time like he hasn't had that and so for me like the ability to like pay back my parents for everything that they've done for me like is more powerful than like me having a nice car or me having a nice house or whatever so i look at it like can you help make the lives of people that you care about easier and can you be where you want to be when you want to be there that's so that's my final answer I love that, man. I, I resonate with the um the story about your parents a ton. Like I, I had a realization recently, not to kind of keep going on, but <laughs> um I had the kind of a realization recently after I, you know, kind of sat down and, and went for a walk and just did my own thing, shut my phone off, the whole whole nine yards. And I was listening to a podcast one night. Well, yeah, like when I was on the walk or whatever. And so since I got into real estate like four or five-ish years ago. I thought that my purpose was always like, oh, you know, to exactly, you know, make it so me and my mom don't have to go to our day jobs anymore. Like, you know, have that abundant, um, just like make money, not an issue anymore, you know, as yeah. exactly that, that form of being thankful, you know, for essentially bringing up me and my sister as like a single parent and like all, all that fun stuff, you know? Yeah. And I had this moment of realization recently. I'm like, that's like, what happens when I get there? Because mm -hmm. it's not going to happen tomorrow. But nope. you know what happens when I hit that seven grand a month, eight grand a month, you know, whatever it is at that time, like, like what happens now, you know, and I really like just had a notebook and I was just like starting to think about it. And I was like, because that's, that's not actually my purpose. I'm like, my purpose, what I realized is to be able to help people avoid growing up, you know, and, and living the way that I did. And I mm -hmm. had the a similar, you know, type of thing to him, like, he, you know, has always done. Uh, absolutely everything, you know, to like bring up me and my sister and sports and like everything, like bust her ass, you know, yeah. I didn't become aware of it until I was much older, yes. you know, like actually yes. seeing behind the curtain and it's like, oh shit, like, wow, you know? And so basically like long story short, what I realized was like that, you know, me and my mom being able to, you know, not be forced to be, you know, chained to our jobs or whatever is going to be a byproduct of you know helping people uh avoid you know growing up that way and and giving enough value to the marketplace you know eventually it's just going to happen you know and it, it gave me a little bit of comfort um you know kind of thinking about that but yeah it's at the end of the day man you know what i mean it's it's just to give back it's literally just to be thankful i'm like you know what i mean like it's like i don't need a whole lot of stuff to be happy by any means <laughs> you know what i mean so like it's it's much bigger than that and like that's why i always love asking people that question of like what wealth means to them because it's 99% of the time never about uh a monetary value it's because it's always deeper you know and it's i love hearing that stuff yeah well money's just a vehicle right to improve exactly. you know improve your life and 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 you know giving giving value to the marketplace has to be done you know in order to get there and and yeah, yeah. i mean you you know it's just a matter of like I think I think the biggest thing that I see just at a high level is, and I wrote a post about this last night, is just like, you have to be willing to sacrifice. And all along those years that I talked about for myself, there were many things that I sacrificed to get to where I am today. Yep. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And I don't yeah. want to put a negative spin, you know, as we're kind of like wrapping up here. Mm -hmm. But like, I do just want to put the message out to everybody who's listening, which is like, there are no shortcuts to this stuff. It absolutely is worth it, but you have to become obsessed with it. And like, if you follow Kyle and you're on his Facebook and you talk to him, like you can see the passion that he has and you can tell that he's obsessed, right? And you have to be to that point. It It isn't something where you can go like, halfway in it has to be all the way in it has to be like there can't be days where you're not thinking about it um and for me like when i was your age kyle there weren't hours that i wasn't thinking about it yeah. and so you ha it has to become if you really want to do this right and you, you have to think about the the why to it all of like you know kyle talked about his why i talked about like what I, you know what wealth means to me essentially 
And the why has to be so freaking big that all you're doing is this. If you really, really want to do it. Because I don't know the percentage of the world that never gets there, but it's probably higher than 95%. Uh, No, not the world, America. Because we're fortunate in America, you actually can get there. Like there are countries where this is not even an option, but let's just say Americans, at least 95% of people never get there. And out of those 95%, most have aspirations to get there. And the reason that they don't is because they take a passive approach and, you know, it's like a fad diet for them where it's like, hey, I'm going to like try really hard for like a month or a week. And and just like the fad diets and, you know, gym workouts, like it has to become part of you. You you have to do it every single day. You have to make progress every single day. And it's not that you can't take a day off, but it can't be like an on and off again thing. And the the biggest part, one of the biggest parts that I, you know, glossed over in my whole story was like, when I was on a mission to do this, like I was literally listening to 10 to 20 hours of audiobooks and podcasts per week. And I think it's so important to like get a base of knowledge. It's why I have a podcast. Like if you guys want to check it out, it's www.agentinvestorpodcast.com. And it always amazes me like how many people will follow me but not listen to the podcast. And there's no excuse whether you're listening to Kyle's podcast or somebody else's. You should be listening to multiple. There's no reason why you can't do five hours of podcasting a week because there are five hours of dead time where you're literally doing nothing else but like driving in a car or on a train or walking around the block. So there's no excuse like why you can't get educated. This is a luxury that I didn't have really when I started. Like podcasts were minimal. Now podcasts have exploded. Like how else can you get free training and mentorship from people that have done what you want to do for free on the go whenever you want? So that would be kind of like my last message to people is like, if you're serious about this, don't just listen to my podcast. Don't just listen to Kyle's like find three or four or five of them and, and, and hit them like every single day. Like I, I release one a week. There's, if if my story resonates with you and you're like, wow, like I, you know, want to learn more about Tom, like there's no reason you can't listen to every episode. It might sound crazy to some people, but it's one hour a week. It's, they're not even an hour. They're like 40 minutes. Same thing with Kyle. They're, they're minimal. Um, so invest your time getting educated. If you're motivated by, by this conversation, like it doesn't mean you have to go out and buy 10 houses tomorrow, but it, <laughs> but, but there is no reason why you can't start listening to a bunch of podcast episodes. Like there is no barrier there. Like you have a phone, you're probably listening to this on your phone. You're clicking a button. It's free. You can do it in your downtime. Yep. Exactly. And you could basically search like anything that you're looking for, like even within the industry, like there's no excuse. Like it's, it's literally like the opposite end of the spectrum of it's not a lack of information. It's literally a lack of like finding the most specific, like, and not like overloading yourself with the information, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. I agree. And that's where like a good coach comes into where like, if you have like a good coach, they can help direct you as to like what you should be listening to or paying attention to. But, um, but yeah, like you said, like the information's there. Absolutely. But thank you so, so much for coming on here, Tom. This, this was absolutely awesome, man. We're on um, yeah. like so, social media and stuff. Can you be found? I, I know you get a ton. I'll put everything down below, all that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, there's, there's really three things, three areas that people can find me pretty easily. Um, the first, like I mentioned, is the Agent Investor Podcast. The second is my Facebook group that you can go to and join for free at agentinvestor.com. And just keep in mind, like I branded agent because that's my niche. But there's nothing I talk about, like if you listen to this whole story, that's aging specific. Um, and then the last thing is you could follow me on my personal account, which is Tommy Caffarella, like the name is showing up here. Um, and, I, and I post all the time. I mean, you, you can follow me. And then if you get sick of me, you can unfollow me. But 
Um, <laughs> those are the those are the best ways to find me. I'm on Facebook all the time, as Kyle knows. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. If if you like if you like Kyle, and you wish he you know got made fun of a little bit more, like following me on Facebook is probably the best way to. It's um, a good time to to achieve that result. Yeah. Yeah. Now, all right, Tom. Thank you so so much, man. Guys, go post, check out Tom on everything. Check out his podcast. Check out join the group. Everything. Thank you so much, man. This was awesome. Yeah. Th- no, thanks for having me on. I hope for the listeners it was it was valuable. And like I said, Kyle, I appreciate you giving me the time. Thank you so much, man. I'll All talk right. to you soon, Tom. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to thank you for being a valued listener of the Creating Wealth Podcast. Make sure to visit www.creatingwealth.com to connect with us. Dive into our ever-expanding library of informative blogs. Get access to our private investor portal and explore a wide range of additional valuable resources. Stay tuned for our next episode as we continue to create wealth together. Thank you.